Good morning, good morning. I have a confession before I start working, so forgot my Bible. So I'm using my child's Bible today. So if you're like, why does she have a little baby Bible? Well, you know what? Word's still the same, isn't it? It's beautiful. So, um, But I just want to start, we're just going to pray, because God's going to release something great over you guys today. I know during worship, he released a lot of great things already, and I'm like, man, I'm excited for today. It's like one of the hottest days of the year, and the Lord's like, I'm going to send my cooling water. It's going to be refreshing to you. So, Lord, we just thank you that as we come today, that you are going to have a now word for us. Lord, it's going to bring breakthrough for the next season. Lord, we thank you that the needs we have, you are ready and prepared to meet them. So we just thank you, Lord, um, that you are just here and you are just moving. We thank you for the anointing just to fall heavily here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I thought it was going to be a lot hotter today, so I'm good. I think it feels good. All right. So, I want to talk to you guys today about overcoming. Do you guys know if you have overcome something, you kind of have to be stronger than what you need to overcome? Like if you're arm wrestling, you know, to beat them, you have to be stronger than them. And we do have the ability to do that in Christ. So I want to talk to you guys about David and share his story a little bit. You know, we always hear, oh, David and Goliath, you hear that story, and you always hear, oh, David's a man after God's own heart, which is true. But a lot of times we forget all the little things in his life. We're like, oh, he was the greatest king, and everyone's like, he was good looking, and, and he had it seemed like he had everything. But that's not how it started out for David, and it actually was a long time coming. It wasn't like, you know, oh, this was 30 days, one month, everything happened. This was years of his life. So David was a kid, and his parents are like, you know what? His dad's like, just go out and watch the sheep. You know, your brothers are cooler, awesome. I'm going to give them the good jobs. They're going to get to do, you know, the fun stuff. You just Can you just take care of the sheep? We don't even want to see you. So just get out there. So he had to all constantly do the sheep, you know. And um, he was just this kid. And then the prophet comes to Jesse's house. And he's like, hey, you know what? The Lord said that the next king is in your household. And Jesse's like, yeah. And he goes and gets, like, his sons who are, like, older and buff. And he's like, yeah, not him. Nope, 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 nope. And Jesse's like, I've went through all my sons. And he's like, you sure you don't have any? He's like, well, I got the little guy out back, you know, playing with the sheep. And he's like, go get him. So he goes and gets Dave. And he's like, yeah, that's the one. And Jesse's like, okay, this guy. He's like young. He's just like a little teenager, you know. He's like, no, 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 he's going to be the next king. So, you know, David's like, oh, this is cool, you know. He gets anointed, and um, he prophesies over him. He's going to be this king. And then he goes back to watching sheep. You know, if someone says you're going to be king, you kind of are like, when do I get to go to the palace? When do I get, you know, you see the movies where they're, like, feeding you grapes and carrying you on, like, that thing. I'm like, when do I get that? You know? Oh, yeah, you're going to be king. It's going to be awesome. Go, you know, watch those sheep out in the heat, okay? You know? So it didn't happen immediately. You know, how many of us in that moment, um, when it doesn't seem to come to pass, we're like, oh, no, that wasn't a right word. We're like, oh, well, you know, God said this, but then it didn't happen. We're like, oh, that must have been a false word. 
you know, God must have meant this. And we start changing what God said to us because, you know, our faith doesn't quite meet that. And we're like, well, that must have not been what God meant. He must not have meant that we could actually have physical healing in our body. Or, we, or you know, we're not going to have our needs met or whatever it is. Sometimes when it takes a long time to get there, we think, well, that's not, you know, God must not have said that. That must not have been what he meant. Yes, it was. David found that out. From the moment it was spoken over him, he began to step into that process. That's why when it came to Goliath, he'd already put into practice into the process of what a warrior would look like. That's why he fought the bear. That's why he fought the lion. Because God was preparing him in the process to take on Goliath, which would take an entire nation and would make his nation look real good. You know? No casualties, one guy, that's it. I mean, if you could do war like that, where it's like one against one and there would be no casualties, that's pretty amazing. So he had to start, as soon as that was spoke over him, he started in that process. He started acting like a warrior. Um, I'm going to read in 1 Samuel uh, 17. I'm going to start in 45. And it says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, so talking about Goliath, with his shield bare in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome. So even Goliath was like, you know, he's a kid, but he's good looking. Um, <laughs> Goliath is like, oh man. Um, oh gosh, now I gotta get back. And he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by the gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, and here's this little guy, you know, come up, Goliath is way up there, and he's like, you come against me with the sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, so David's telling Goliath, this day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down. I will cut off your head. Today I will give your carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that this is not by the sword or spear, but the Lord saves. For the battle of the Lord, he will give all of you into our hands. Boom! David wasn't scared. He's like, I am, guess what? You can come at me whatever, but I got a word from the Lord. I'm coming at you with a word from the Lord. I can't lose. I am not a king yet, and the Lord came to me and said, I'm going to be king, so I can come at you with just words and five little stones, and I'm going to overtake you. Because the word of the Lord, I'm coming to you with that. And let me tell you what my God is going to do. I mean, I'm pretty sure all his brothers were like, oh, man, David, stop. You know, you ever you ever been somewhere where something seems embarrassing and people are talking and you're like, oh, you get embarrassed? They're probably like, don't say that, don't say that. You know, like, are you sure that's what God said? I mean, have you ever, I've done that to people like, are you sure that's what God's saying to you? It sounds kind of funny. So his brothers were probably thinking, oh, man, here's this, you know, teenager who thinks he's all puffed up and he's saying all this stuff. And they're like, if he gets through that line, that means he's coming to us next. So um, 
I'm pretty sure they were a little, because they didn't have a word. You know what they were focusing on? Their fear, their anxiety, their worry, what people thought of them. Stress, they were stressed out. And so they didn't have a word from the Lord. But we live in this environment where we don't have to go looking for hellish things. They come and find us, right? Things just happen. You know, we don't have to go looking like all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know what? There's no jobs and you can't provide for your family or um, sickness or just there's tons of different things that just seem to pop up out of nowhere. Life's going good. You're like, this is good. It's me and the Lord. We're just walking through the garden like it usually, you know, just spending time with the Lord. And then like, boom, something just falls on you and it's heavy. And it seems like, how can I ever get out from under this? So that's, it. that's kind of what we go through when, when we decide, especially when you get a word. You ever get a word and then everything opposite of that word begins to happen in your life. You're like, please don't give me a word about riches and wealth and that I'm going to be provided for because I don't want to go through the season of poverty to get there. Right? We're like, maybe I could just stay right in the middle. But that gets so boring, you guys. It really does. Need a drink. So the same thing kind of went for David. He was going to be a king. You know, he's all like, Yeah, look at me. I'm going to be a king. And then it kind of hits the fan. Saul, who was the king, he got all jelly, you know. Even though this guy took care of him and his whole nation, he's like, Everyone's singing about David. Well, I don't know, he's probably crying. Yeah, well, he's like tall up here, probably crying. And, and so he started getting jealous. Instead of being like, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so glad the Lord sent you. Like, you just seriously heard from the Lord and you, you know, saved our people. Instead, he's like, I want them to say that about me. Oh my gosh. So he had to deal with jealousy. And then Saul's like, I'm so jealous now. Like, guess what? You know, I know you did all this stuff for me, but I kind of want you dead. So then Saul's, like, chasing him and trying to kill him. And then, like, David's like, I could kill you, Saul. But David's like, I know the word of the Lord. So he lets Saul go. And so then David gets these men who are like, we're behind you, David. You ever have a group of friends? They, you think you're, they're your best friends? And they're like, I'm going to be with you forever. I love you, you know. And then some things happen. You know, their families got stolen. <laughs> you know, it got real bad. Got a little bit, you know, a little uneasy in David's camp because their wives and children were gone and it just, you know, the king of the nation is chasing them down, trying to kill them. And they started to grumble. You know, they, and that's kind of what happens. He was kind of alone because even these men who are like, we give up everything and follow you, David. But when it came to it and David needed them, they became bitter, and they began to second-guess um, what God was saying. Their faith began to, to dwindle. And I see that a lot when I enter into a process. God's like, this is coming, Sarah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a word for me. And then I forget that as soon as I get excited about that, The enemy likes to put every speed bump he possibly can in your path from getting from the declaration over your life to when it manifests in your life. 
and you're thinking, how can I keep doing this? How can I keep going? You know, that must have not been God. And he fills us with these lies, and he fills us with all these doubts. And so David had to flee because of the lies the enemy was placing um, in Saul's mind. And uh, his the men that he went, he that he was over, you know, he was rejected time and time again. He was living in the wilderness, not the palace. I'm pretty sure he's like, I'm the king, you know, you're excited. You're going to get to live in the palace. It's going to be nice. There's going to be air conditioning, okay? And the next thing you know, you're hiding out in caves, and you're running constantly. Um, and David's men turned on him because of that loss. He was rejected by Saul, the Israelites, even the Philistines, um, you know, God wanted to give him this great anointing. But it seemed like, man, where is God? I'm pretty sure I would have been asking, God, where are you? Like, I am ready for, you know, to be sitting there, someone feeding me grapes. Like, I'm ready for this. Um, but when we want this great anointing, this power, this authority, the wisdom... That's pretty weighty stuff. You know, when it talks about when, like, Moses came in and he came into the presence of the Lord and the anointing fell, like, he couldn't even stand. Um, he had to take his shoes off, you know, things like that. When the, the anointing of the Lord is a pretty weighty thing, like a good weighty, but it's powerful. You know, to have wisdom, if you have all of that wisdom, people are going to start coming to you and it's going to be... It's weighty. You have an hour responsibility. So we want these things from the Lord, but we can't put weighty things on a shaky foundation, a weak foundation. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Because sometimes we're like, we want this. I want this great testimony. Well, you need a firm foundation for that to handle because you know what? That testimony cannot stand on a shaky foundation. That foundation has to be tested, you know, and that comes through difficulty. I'm going to read to you guys in James. That's not James. Okay, in James um, 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Yes, joy, you're going to go, it's going to be really hard. You're going to be really uncomfortable, and I want you to be happy about it. I don't know if I'd be happy about it. You know, I get into the, the spirit of grumble, complain. It's easy to happen, but God's like, let me tell you, if you want a firm foundation, you want a strong foundation, you want to be an overcomer, then you got to have something to overcome. you got to have something to overcome. You're not going to be encouraging if you're like, one time I had so much money and so much provision, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know if I could buy this or go here, and I only got to go on five vacations that year. Like... People are going to be like, let me help you overcome this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not an overcoming moment. So when he takes care of everything, like, we need to overcome. So something 
is being established in you so you can carry this weight and this anointing. You know, David could have went could have never went from the pasture to the palace. His character would have it would have destroyed him. He wouldn't have been this man after God's own heart. He wouldn't have been this this good king that led his nation. You know, he couldn't have been the line, the lineage that Jesus would come through. He needed something to build his character, to get that firm foundation. So all of see, uh, David's going through all of this in Samuel, and um, and it says that he strengthened himself in Sam, First Samuel thirty. Let me get there. So David and his men went to. Ziklag, and um, it just all hit the fan. Like the, um, I don't know how to say, but the enemy, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to burn everything. We're capturing all your women, children. Everything's gone. And um, David and his men found it destroyed, and his men were mad. They weren't just mad at the enemy. They were mad at David. And it just seemed like, what are we going to do now? We have nothing. And David, in all of this, instead of, you know, his family was taken too. So he's in the same boat they're in. You know, he everything he loved has been destroyed. And they're all grumbling and complaining and go down to um, verse 8. It says, and then David inquired of the Lord. And he said, Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? So instead of getting a plan together, he said, I'm going to go to the Lord, ask God what he wants me to do. And then the Lord said to him, pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed with the rescue. So he had to strengthen himself in the Lord. Instead of feeling the way that his men felt, getting overwhelmed, you know, going into, you know, being distraught, he had the same, the same decision in front of him. It wasn't that all of them had everything going on. He had the same thing going on in his life. And instead of grumbling and complaining, he's like, okay, how am I going to overcome this, Lord? Lord, what do you want me to do? And he went to the Lord and asked him. You know, he, and so when he came back to his men, he came with the word of the Lord. And he said, all right, guys, come on. You know, suck it up. We're going after them. The Lord says we're going to, everything's going to be back brought back to us. We're going to overtake them. Let's go. He strengthened himself. Instead of complaining, he went right to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, I still am not in the position I need to be in. What's going on? You gave me my wife. You gave me my children. And here they're gone. What's going on? So how do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? What do you do when you strengthen yourself in the Lord? Do you call, when something bad happens, do you start calling everybody up that you know and complaining to them on the phone and woe is me and I just don't know how to take this anymore and just all the time. And every time, there are certain people I will not ask how they're doing because I really don't want to know the long version. I want you to say, I'm doing good. You know, when you pass someone in the grocery store, that is not the time. You know, if you need some encouragement, you should probably call me or set up time for coffee. But when we're passing in the grocery store, you're saying, life is good. Have a good day. Okay? So those of you that don't know that, I've had people follow me around the store for 20 minutes telling me the woes of their life. 
And I'm like, I just can get bread. <laughs> just came to get bread. So um, I'm going to start wearing a bag when I go to stores. <laughs> I'm just, I just need to get in the milk. Just keep going. You know? Um, so that was just a free one for you guys. <laughs> but how do we strengthen ourselves in the, in the Lord? You can't come into the fullness you know, until we learn how to minister to ourselves and get our strength from God. No one else is going to do that from you. You can have someone, you know, be like, you can do this. You know, I'm sorry this is happening to you. But the only one that's going to change your situation is you. You have to go to the Lord. You have to learn how to hear from the Lord and let the Lord minister to you. So, like, when you come to church on a Sunday, it's great. I'm, I'm given a good word here today. But if you don't go out and grab it and say, Lord, I want that for my life today, you're going to go home and you're going to be in the same situation that before you came in here. Amen. And that's a true word. Take it. You know what? Go ahead and grab it. That's your word. Grab it for you today. Because we can't come into this fullness without having the overcomer on our side. You know what I mean? You can't be an overcomer if you don't have the power to overcome that. And we all have that in Christ. As long as he's on your side, you can overcome anything. I mean, when I look at David's life, I'm thinking, I probably would have spent my, the rest of my life in the caves. I probably wouldn't have come out, you know, when there's armies chasing you and your men are after you, you know, and you know there's giants in the land. Like, I might have been like, you know, maybe... This looks pretty good. In his darkest moments, David's darkest moments was his back door to his destiny. When it looked the worst, God came through. Like, the words he got to speak, could you imagine after that? Like, if he said the Lord said, you'd be like, let me hear. You, if, if, if David was talking and said the Lord spoke to him, you'd be like, I want to hear what the Lord has to say. Because you said the Lord was going to let you overtake Goliath, and that happened. You know, you said we were going to get everything back, and the Lord said that to you, and that happened. So I'm pretty sure you know how to hear from the Lord. But that was the back door to his destiny. That, you know, it made him a good man. He could have killed Saul. But, you know, he was like, Lord, do you want me to? You know, he continually strengthened himself in the Lord, and he said, "This looks bad, God. Looks really bad. Do you know that?" And God's like, "I know." He's like, "Okay, just making sure you knew, because I'm seeing it. But you know, if you say it's going to turn out all sunshine and rainbows, I'll keep going." Learning how to minister to himself, like when we're in worship, man. I'm just like, I could go home right now after worship. I'm like, the Lord spoke to me. He was showing me all this stuff. I'm thinking, this is amazing. I'm taking that. I'm taking that for myself. Because we're all on, we're all in this process, and we do love each other, and we do support each other. But God and you are the main people that are going to decide where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. Everyone else can encourage you, you know, they can come alongside and watch you, but you're going to have to walk those steps. You know what I'm talking about? You guys have to walk that yourself. Jesus said, take up, your, take up the cross. He's saying you're going to have a path that no one else is going to have. You're going to have something different. So 
when we look at this big picture and we're overcomer, we sometimes get discouraged. But if we could just see that aerial view that God sees, you know, like when you see something, I got to see an aerial view, um, got our house appraised, and we're going to be adding an addition. That's an amazing thing the Lord did, and um, but I'll share that another time. But I kind of got to see this aerial view of my property and my neighbor's property, and it looked really amazing to see, wow, I just forgot how like big, and I forgot about these little sheds, and the top of my neighbor's barn was like super shiny, and, and the sun was reflecting. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Like, I think this property is beautiful when I'm looking at it like this, but when I looked at it from the top, I was like, this is huge. This is amazing. Um, so sometimes when, if we, if we saw that type of view, we would stick through it. You know why? Because we could see how close we were in that breakthrough. You know, when you're looking like this, you can't, the perspective is different. When you're up above, you're like, oh my gosh, there's like, you said there was giants over here. Those are like these teeny little things. You know what I mean? That's not big. I only have this far to go. That's waiting for me on the other side of that teeny little hill that I can't see over when I'm standing when you're standing this close to a to the mountain it looks really big. When you back up you can see over it. So we got to first strengthen ourselves in the Lord, begin to say, "God, what is your perspective? What are you seeing?" It's within reach what we have prayed for for so long. The best way we can do that is to be hope-filled and unoffendable. Offense puts you right up to the mountain. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, I'm pretty sure you did something really horrible to someone else at some time, whether you know it or not. We're humans. We make mistakes. You know what? You get me tired or hungry, the word I am bringing is not of the Lord. Right? Hurt someone's feelings. Sometimes I go back to people and say, that probably sounded like I was angry. I really wasn't. Sorry. You know, because sometimes I'm just intense. I'm like an intense person. I came out intense. Nothing has changed, you know what I mean? So sometimes I'm like, hey, can you do this, do this, 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 this? And people are like, she's mad at me and thinks I do a bad job. No, if you do a bad job, I'll be like, you're doing a bad job. Don't worry. You won't. You'll so we need that time to be, you know, with the Lord. Quit being offended. Everything can offend you. Anything can offend you. Someone forgets something and we think they're mad at us. Oh, my gosh. Can we just right now just agree, like, in the Lord, that we are going to stop with that spirit of offense? Just take it. Say, Lord, that's for me. I am an unoffendable person. Send me people to try to offend me. Come on, you want you want to take it a step further? You want to have, you want to get that overcomer? Then ask that. Say, Lord, send me someone that will offend me to my core, and all I'm going to do is show them the love of Christ. Woo! That is a good thing. I'm doing that. And now I said it in front of all of you guys, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, call me out. Come on. That is so good. That was not even in my notes. I think the Lord's just saying that's what we're going to do. You know, we can't blame God. God, why did you let this happen to me? He's like, I didn't. You kind of didn't listen and got yourself over in that hole. I told you to quit digging a long time ago. We were just planting something, not digging a cavern here. 
we can't blame the church. Well, I don't go to church because, you know, people just hurt me. Yeah, the church is going to hurt you because there's a bunch of people in here. And we get hangry. When it's hot in here, I mean, you're lucky I'm being nice to you right now. <laughs> get out of my way, I want the fan, you know? If you guys were so nice about those fans, I'd have been like, I'm going to throw a chair at someone and take that. Like, get out of my way, that's my fan. She said the first one up here. We can't. Church is our family. This is our community. And when you come, you're going to get built up. And when you come, you're here to build someone else up. So when you're like, oh, I don't need to go. Yeah, you do because it's not for you. It's also for the people around you. Sometimes you're receiving something and sometimes you're um, giving something. You know, we can't move in this shame or guilt and discouragement. You know, we might, because we might have to use the back door to our destiny. It might not be like, oh man, I got saved and life was good and I always was blessed and I walked right into ministry. And ministry, everyone knows, that's like just, you know, everything's, you know, everyone walks around in ministry and they're just like, I'm just too blessed to be, you know, depressed and God is just so good. Nothing bad ever happens in ministry, right? Because you always have enough people to do everything. Ever, you know, and all the people that you work, you know, that are in your church, you know, they're all saved, so they, like, never have any issues anymore, right? You might have to use that back door to your destiny and go through some of those hard things because the Lord's like, I'm just making a really firm foundation because you're going to go so far that, you know, the farther you go, you know, the deeper the foundation, the firmer the foundation, trying to put a stake in. I'm thinking, that's good enough. I come out and, it, you know, a little sign. I'm like, oh, it's, that's deep enough. Well, it wasn't, and a little wind blew it over. Wind of offense. You know, and if you, can't, and if you can't get to the back door, use a window, break down a wall. You've built them up there, break them down. Get to your destiny. Quit letting people be like, I'm scared. You know, I'm terrified of some things, and I still do it. I used to be terrified of any leadership because literally until I had Matt in my life, every leader in my life, from my family to teachers to even ministers, pastors, leaders, had abused me. Every single leader that I had in my life. Could you imagine how terrified you were of any leadership, bosses, anything? Because I came to school, you know, I didn't look all cute, you know, like how people do with their kids. You know, I had ripped jeans. I come from that. I had all this stuff, and teachers didn't like me because I wasn't that kid. And so I was mistreated all of my life by anyone that was in leadership. And you know what that did for me? For a long time, I got offended. And then I was scared to death of leaders. And because you know what what God had put in me? He said, you are a leader. So the enemy was like, oh no, you're not going to be around any leaders. I'm going to make you hate leaders. I'm going to make you think they're out to get you, that they're painful. And then God just started putting, you know, I overcame that. I stood up. Almost every leader that I had in my life that had abused me, I stood up to them. And I said, you are not going to treat me that way. 
from my home, I went back to those pastors and leaders, and I said, that is not okay. You're not allowed to. And just standing up to that, God said, now, now you're ready. Because I couldn't just plow through and everyone loved you and you have this personality and you're just going to lead and people, God's like, you need to go knock down those walls. So if your destiny looks so far off and it's like there's no way to get there, go around the back door just like David did. You know, if you have to break down walls to get to your destiny, keep going. You know, life, God designed our life for for advancement. Did you guys know that? To keep going forward. He never made us to go back. That's why our eyes are on this side of our head. You know, despite what you've heard about your mothers. Okay? We're designed for advancement. God created that way. Overcomers have something to overcome. God said, I'm going to allow that in your path because that is going to make you, you know what? I know that from little, God said, you're going to lead, you have influence, that's just my call. Your call may be different, your call may be the same. But God said, I want you to be a kind leader, a compassionate leader, a good, you know, I want you to be these things. So he said, I'm going to give you some things to overcome so you don't end up in that pool. That you don't judge people how they look or by what they have. You don't judge people by where they are, you can see what God created in them. Because sometimes when you meet people at first, you're thinking, oh, Lord, they're a mess. And God says, I know, isn't it great? You get to walk them through this. Because look at what they're going to be. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. How good is that? We have to have something to overcome. You know, if everything was given or placed in front of us without a process, we would have no testimony. We'd have such a weak foundation. There would be no depth to us. You ever hung out with someone who's as shallow as a birdbath? That's difficult for me. I would say that's <laughs> great. I got to quit. I just keep thinking, oh, Lord, maybe I should stop talking. You're going to send them too, aren't you? <laughs> you ever hang around someone who maybe just because their life or, you know, maybe they had parents who were like, I don't want you to go through anything hard, so I'm just going to take care of everything let your kid fall flat on their face they ain't gonna die they're gonna learn that you don't run on the cement right because they're gonna be reminded every time they look in the mirror and their face is scratched up a little bit that's not what you do or fall off the bed bunk bed i don't know should i put a railing up maybe (laughs) they're both alive they're both alive but you know hanging around that shallow where everything, I think one of the hardest things for me to do is when someone's like, I just need to talk to you, I have this issue, and you're thinking, oh man, Lord, i got to be praying on this. And it's like a little teeny molehill. And you're like, are you serious? But to them it's big. You know, they're mountains, they can't get around, and you're like, literally, that's just one step. You just have to take it. I know, but like my foot is just so heavy. I just can't do it. Why over here, some of us are climbing this Mount Everest and we're like, oh, I can't breathe. My arms are tired. Like, are we almost there, Lord? And Lord's like, just keep going. You got this. So if you're going through a process, awesome. That means the Lord is giving you depth. I like to hang around people with depth. 
You ever try to have a conversation with a two-year-old? The only thing they say is mine and no. It's not so much fun to be like, hey, let's have a conversation about what God's doing in your life. And they're like, no. And you're like, well, I'll go, mine. You know, that's it. That's your whole conversation. They haven't got that depth yet because they're still growing. But when you meet, like, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds that are going mine and no, that's a little bit different. <laughs> oh. You want a word from the Lord. We need that depth. I don't, when I am in, when I am like overcome with grief or like a situation that is just so big, I don't need someone coming up to me like, I got a word from you. The Lord just says, you're so beautiful and there's, you know, it's all rainbows and unicorns and flowers. Just take that back and, you know, just meditate on that. Be like, I'm going to find you in the parking lot. Right? You don't need a word like that when you're, you're like, the Lord says breakthrough is coming today for you. That anything, no matter how deep, that God says that he's going to go down, he's going to grab a hold of you, you're going to have his hand, and he's never going to let go. He's going to bring you out. He's going to bring anointing. He's going to bring new jobs to your life. You know what? That thing that you've been praying for, God says, I have it. It's on my way. It's a mile out. Come on, keep going. That's what you need. That's a word you need, right? Just a few more months. That works for you. It's coming. I'm going to finish with Romans here and let you guys out. But In Romans 8, 37... It says, in all these things, we are more, more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, you guys, nothing, no matter. If your situation looks so horrible right now, God said there is no depth, there is no height. Nothing can take you from the love of God. If you think, well, you don't know what I've done, God knows what you have done. If you say, well, you don't know what I think about, you don't know how I've treated my family, or you don't know that I've done this at work, or or whatever, and God's like, he does know, and he said, that cannot separate you from me. You're like, well, if you're just going to keep coming for me, I'm going to just start following you. That's really what we need to do. You know, it says that in that last song, he chases you down, he leaves everything else, and comes after you. So quit running away and just say, you know what? I'm way in this direction, and I felt for so long that I can't get back to what God has for me, that I can't change my situation, I can't change my life. And God says, just turn around and start following me. Just turn around. All you got to do is turn around and start following him. Strengthen yourself in him. You know what? You might be a little further down the road than someone else. That's okay. You're going in the right direction. It's going to pray.